I'd like to take a step further with Bulasha in this podcast. So I'm taking a... I'm going to go to page 19 and continue part 3. And uh, Bulasha goes a step further. He seems even to have been influenced by what is known as the Bhagwat tradition. Bhagat. Bhagat is like the Hindu or Krishna. He is enamored of Krishna's flute. Uh-huh. So, so far he's incorporated uh, Islamic elements and Sikh elements and Sant elements and Sufi elements. And now he has Bhagat Gwat. He's enamored of Krishna's flute. The flute notes seem to have a peculiar pull for him. Yeah, the flute notes can have a peculiar pull. Like if you listen to the music of the spheres, and if you were to listen to the sound of the flute on the inside, if you listen to the flute notes on the inside with your inner ear, it will seem to have a peculiar pull. Could actually just pull your soul up to the higher planes. Is that how he got to the fourteen heavens? Yeah, we're talking about using the flute to get to the fourteen heavens. That's what this podcast is actually about. Okay. Bula Shah was captivated. Actually, this is his own words in his poetry. Bula Shah was captivated the moment he heard the flute. Frenzied, he ran towards the master. Whom and how should he salute? Uh, yeah, I don't know who to salute in this podcast. Uh, if I'm frenzied in the podcast. Uh, the tilt Bulashah Sufism has, more particularly in the later period, towards the Sant tradition... Belonging to the Bhakti movement could also be due to his having belonged to the Quadri cult of the Sufis. Oh, okay, so he's he's in the later period, he's leaning towards the Sant, S-A-N-T, Satma tradition. Oh, I thought you were a specialist or... You are interested in the Satmat tradition. Belonging to the Bhakti movement could also be too, to us having belonged to the Quadri cult of the Sufis. Yeah, I guess those two are overlap and are close. The Quadri cult is close to the Nirgun Bhakti Mat, akin to the Sikh, Sikh faith. Yeah, is that what you're into? Oh, the Sikh Sikhism? Or? With Sufism, with a with a, are you a quadri, quadri Sufi, or are you into Satmat, or are you a Sikh? Which are you? Well, I don't know. I, do I really have to say? Uh, I mean, you should be something. Realize the truth, not be labeled something uh, like a Nirgun Bhakti Mat. You should have bhakti and devotion and love and stuff, not be intellectually obsessed with what you're labeled as. 
the quadri quadri called this close to the Nirgun Masatma Bhaktima are akin to the Sikh faith. Well, yeah, I am akin to the Sikh faith, and I'm close to the Nirgun Bhakti Mat, and I'm into the Sant tradition, and I definitely read Sufi poetry. So, if I'm ready, reading, like you know, like Rumi or Hafiz or whatever, okay. Its founder was Abdul Qadir Jalani of Iran. Okay, so the Qadri cult is founded by Abdul Qadir Jalani of Iran. Okay, so do you follow? Are you Iranian also? Or well, these are teachings. They're not. Uh, they're not uh, ethnic groups, after all. So, well, do you have a turban or a sword or a beard or oh goodness? Does that matter? Pulisha's huh? master Inarachah was also a cadre. Cadre. Okay, so his master was says Bula, quote, "Come, Inarat Cadre, I long for you." Yeah, like if my master was wearing a, a turban, I would say, Come, Darshan Singh, I long for you. So, I don't know if that makes me a Sufi, a Bhakti, or a Satmat, or a Sikh, or, or uh, should I work on the self-definition of myself? Or, what if you study all of those or something? Okay. That's what I'm doing, okay. Pulisha was no less conscious of reforming his society. Yeah, I'm no less conscious of reforming uh, society so it becomes universalist. Uh, yeah, I know you're pro-universalism, yeah. He was a severe critic of the clergy, whether Islamic or Brahmic. Brahminic. He ridicules them for the way they exploit the people and mislead them with false promises. Yeah, I'm not into... I, I don't agree with these uh, clergy who tell them just to accept uh, blankety-blank as their savior and then just go be materialistic their whole life and then at death they will be saved, uh, which is misleading and a false promise. Yeah, you have to reach uh, the 14 heavens while alive. Uh, yeah? Oh, you also oh, you can't be saved by blind faith? No. You can't be. You have to meditate. <laughs> okay. So you should meditate your way up through all the higher planes like Dante or somebody and travel up through them and reach the highest heaven up to Satnam and Satchkhand and Anamilak and go there before you get too old. Actually, do it before you turn 70. Oh, so you're not saying do it in your old age, but 
Do it in your early old age, yeah. Do it in your the prime of your retirement. Oh, not in your retirement. No, not after 70. Do it in 65 to 70. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. I thought you should have done it at 20. Yeah, well, I'm misleading people with false promises of reaching it when they're 70. So I'm ridiculing myself and exploiting the people on this podcast. He calls them thugs. He says, the thugs of the internet with their mouths full of froth and their stupid fied podcast. Talk about life and death. The thugs with their mouths full of froth talk about life and death without making any sense. The lovers show them the true path. Yeah, I don't make any sense in this podcast. And only the lovers show them the true path. So if you want the true path, you should go to a Sant Mat Sant tradition Sat Guru. Go to a, a true master instead of going following the froth of me my mouth in this podcast. Okay. Okay. So why are you giving false promises that you can even meet one of these uh, enlightened gurus and uh, oh. with the fundamentalist he is more severe yeah I could be more severe I'm severe with fundamentalist because I've been saying they should be sent to Mars and I'm having these uh, spaceships prepared to so if anyone is a fundamentalist, uh, they have to be <laughs> sent off planet. Uh, they get the special, uh, special new location uh, where they go first to Siberia, then they get to go to Mars. Oh, uh-huh. you? There's only room for universalist, or oh, uh, or you have to be into a sick or. A, a bhakti, you, know, you have to do love and devotion, or all satma, or you have to be a vegetarian. Or what is it? Uh, he, Bush says, if you wish to be a kazi, take up your sword before killing the kafir. You must slaughter the swindler. Bush is credited with the following word, works. Kafis, 150, Atwara, 1. Barama one, Sarfi three, Doiha forty nine, and Kathan forty. Those are types of poems, I think. This is the whole lot that appears in his name in various collections published from time to time. A considerable part of it is unauthentic. Yeah, a considerable part of this podcast is also unauthentic, and he's unauthentic, so everything. So, in a lot of ways, this is unauthentic, and you should follow fundamentalist. So, you don't have to follow this podcast or be a universalist. You can choose to just follow Islam or Christianity or something and be a fundamentalist. So, And then you can just, uh, you could... Uh, 
you could uh, go to heaven at death and you can just be a bad person materialistic throughout your life. <laughs> yeah. The first time in Academician in Dr. Mohan Singh's Diwana researched Don Bulashaw's work. He seems to have found only 50 coffees. That's 50 poems genuinely composed by the Sufi saint. Yeah, this is a case where we need to do some quantitative linguistic studies in Urdu. Then why don't you do it? You think a computer is going to know the answer? This was in the 30s of the 20th century. Sayyid Nasser Hamid of Lahore, Pakistan, compiled a fairly prestigious volume. Yeah, this is prestigious too. This is a prestigious podcast, a fairly prestigious podcast, a fairly prestigious volume of Bulajah's work in 1976, in which he has included 66 copies, besides a few miscellaneous pieces. Yeah, interpolations have been galore. His coffees at times seem to vary as they travel from Pakistan to India. <laughs> yeah, they could vary like whether you're whether they're they're like coming from India or Pakistan. Cause, I mean, he's sort of like Guru Nanak or somebody who's sort of like, or maybe Kabir or somebody who's sort of claimed by. Both the, is the Muslims and the Hindus, and they they, could, they should have a fight over it. Actually, I recommend uh, warfare, like they could fight over. You do recommend it? Why? Why would you recommend warfare? Well, I guess you don't have to fight over it. But you could argue over it. Uh, oh, you should be an academician. Uh, academic and argue over it yeah well i don't know if i have time for that so coffee has no specific mold called chand in punjabi poetics it has however a prescribed manner a presentation is like classical music uh -huh. rather than a raga some scholars have called it a ragini long before bulisha guru nanak wrote three coffees we have five more copies in the Holy Granth. One each of Guru Amardas and Guru Ramdas. All right, so two of Guru Arjan and one of Tag Bahadur. All right, so coffee is a. I don't know what the verse rhyme is, the rhythm is. So. Coffees are available in Ragas, Asa, Sui. Tulang and Maru. Yeah, I don't know what these uh, ragas. Yeah, well, how come you haven't learned classical Indian music? What's wrong with you? Yeah, I wonder about that. I thought you were a music theorist. Uh, that's a good question. Huh? Don't know if I should learn classical Indian music. Besides light classical musicians, coffee singing is popular with Kowals. 
will make their presentations and choruses and carry the audience with them as if in a trance. Yeah, the the Kafis are these Muslim singers, and uh, they do that. I mean, they they carry the audience with them as if in a trance. They they really work up our emotional level of high level of devotion in a way to. It's actually good stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, why didn't you cross the border when you went to Amritsar? You came close to the border of Pakistan. Why didn't you cross over? Yeah. Yeah, I should go to Pakistan, I guess. Uh-huh. Well, you can hear these koals online on YouTube. <laughs> okay. I'm going to listen on YouTube then, as if in a trance. Kafis, Aztecs, sing the praises of the Musid and the divine reality, refer to the transitoriness of the world, and also describe the pangs of separation of the devotee from the guru and seeker from God. Yeah, so they're useful for for building up your devotion to the guru, which is the purpose of life. Oh, really? Why do you put in these opinionated things in the podcast? Purpose of life is to build up your devotion to your guru. Really? I thought it was... hmm. Oh, okay. Assuming you're a universalist, you'll be allowed to do that. Uh, Yeah. At times, coffees deal with social and political themes as well. Bua does it time and again as regards the form more often than not. Bua provides a refrain which provides relief as well as underlies the theme of the coffee. He says... Uh, Bula says, strange are the times. Crows swoop down on hawks, and sparrows do eagles stalk. Strange are the times that Iraqis are despised, while the donkeys are prized. <laughs> strange are the times. Those with coarse blankets are kings. The erstwhile kings watch from the ring. Strange are the times. It's not without rhyme or reason. Strange are the times. A more Davy could make that chocolate as well. I can make it. Uh, it's not that hard of hot water. Athwara. Oh, that's a type of poem uh, or rhythm or raga or something. Taking weekdays as the basis, Athwara is generally the expression of a love-worn, beloved soul separated from the lover God. The beloved expects the lover every day, waits for him, but he is to be seen nowhere. As poetic form, the first couplet of Athwara has a longer measure, which is sung by the leader of the choral group. It is... Followed by short measure couplets sung by the rest of the party. Pulishas Athwaras are, in fact, Satwaras starting with Saturday and terminating with Friday. 
though a rebel by conviction, Bulsha follows the Islamic calendar in Atwaras and Bahama. A, spe a specimen is as follows. Quote, I better have a look at my love on Saturday. Maybe I don't come home the next day. What a Saturday it is, suffering from the pains of love, I pine. I look for you in dales and deserts at past midnight. I hear the chimes, I miss you, longing for you every moment. Sleeping at night, I encounter tigers. I cry for help at the top of my voice, spears piercing my every fiber. I remain yours. Yeah, so... What time are they coming to fix the... Yeah, they're going to fix the bathroom, huh? So you better get up, I guess. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to stop here. And, because I may encounter tigers. Bahamal is, as a poetic form, is a great deal popular in the Indian languages. Yeah, like Atwara in Bahamal. The poet makes every month a basis for recounting his woes in separation from his lover. An attempt is also made to depict the peculiar climatic features of the month more often than not, with the view to associating them with the emotional intensity of the lover pining for his beloved. In a poetic form, Paramal. Ma is also like Athwara in the first couplet in the long, larger measure to be sung by the leader, followed by short-measured couplets presented by the rest of the choral group. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I know some people try to... I was once wondering, there are some people who are taking this Indian devotional music and, and, and in theory, um, the notes, original notes were maybe imitated and by tradition, but uh, I don't know if they were notated. I heard of a, somebody notating the music and well, Indian music and somebody in Long Island. Baramal can be intensely passionate at times while describing the plight of the lovelorn beloved in the rainy season or in the long winter nights. Yeah. What I do in the long winter nights is podcast, uh, devotional poetry, or do meditation. A specimen, he says, this is an example of spring, Fagan, Bagun. This is spring. The month of Bagun reflects in fields the way someone dresses in flowers. Every branch is laden with blossoms. Every neck has the look of a bower, bower. My friends celebrate holy. My eyes are a brimming trough. Tears give me a miserable time. I am torn with the slings of love. Uh -huh. Whatever happens is ordained by him, his mandate. None dare alter. My pangs of agony cry out aloud. Someone should go and tell my master for whom I pine. Yeah, somebody should maybe talk to him and tell him that I haven't 
been able to go for darshan. You know, somebody should do something. Someone should go and tell my master that I need to have a life-inspiring glance every single day. Oh, wow. You desperately... That's, uh, would be nice, but, uh, isn't that a little greedy? <laughs> Doa is a typical Punjabi poetic form, though it has no prescribed measure as such. It is, in fact, a couplet that rhymes and is complete in itself. It reveals the fact of life and makes a telling observation. It can be an emotional outburst or a reference to a political happening or ridiculing a social foe. A few specimens, he says. Yeah, this is the political part. Day before Bula was an atheist. He worshipped idols yesterday. He had no occasion to commune with him, though he sat at home today. Bula loves the Muslim and salutes the Hindu Lord. He welcomes him all the welcomes home all those who remember the Almighty Lord. Bula treads the path of love. It is an endless road. Well, a blind man meets the blind who should weld the goad. Uh-huh. Mm. The Siharfi, or acrostic, is another poetic form which is very popular with the medieval poets in the Indian languages. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm a specialist in medieval mysticism in India, medieval uh, poetry, medieval, everything medieval, in the middle of evil, <laughs> medieval. Yeah, you're into medieval Hinduism, I guess. There was a time when every major poet tried his hand at writing a safar, a har- siharfi, it is taking an alphabet from the script of the language and building the composition, followed by the next alphabet, and so on. Is that like uh, letter A is for Guru? <clears throat> Guru Nanak has a highly sophisticated acrostic called Pati. To his credit, it figures in the Holy Granth. Bhulashah's acrostic is devoted mainly to man's yearning for union with the divine. A specimen. Aleph, he who meditates on Allah, that's like the letter A. I don't know if he does letter B and C. His face is pale, his eyes bloodshot. He who suffers pangs of separation. No longer he longs for his life to last. Say, soulful is my love for you, whom shall I go and tell? In the swelling waters of a river at midnight, a wailing swallow fell. Hmm. Akandan, or knots as a poetic form, owes its origin to a practice prevailing among the tribals of the Sundarbans and the Kanjibar of the Punjab, who, when they fix a marriage date, tie the number of knots in the bride's family. Well, then untie the knot every morning so that the marriage ceremony is celebrated on the day decided upon earlier. Yeah, I guess I didn't have a knot. Uh, 
I didn't have one of these for my wedding, and I didn't untie the knot. No. Bullishaw uses this device to depict his fate for his union with his merced every day, untying a knot. Brings him closer to the long-cherished union with the master. Yeah, I don't know if I make a condon and gondon and take knots and I could untie a knot each time I meditate. And that would bring me closer to the long-cherished union with the master. How many knots should I tie for my wedding, my beloved? Learned friend, advice. Yeah, this is a question I'm asking in this podcast. How many knots should I make? And uh, hmm, I need to make uh, one of these things, and I could untie a knot each time I meditate. And, uh, the marriage party must come on the prescribed date. With forty knots, be wi- will forty knots be wise? Untying the first knot, I sat and cried. Since I must go one day, better go get the dowry tied, died. Actually, 40 knots may be perfect because they say it takes about 40 days to form a habit. So in 40 days, I could develop the correct habit of doing meditation correctly. Then after 40 days, I could... Get closer to the long-cherished union with the Master. (laughs) Yeah, if you had meditated 40 days in a row (laughs) accurately and did a long-time period meditation. (laughs) Yeah, if you meditate six hours a day for 40 days, then you will have Get closer to the long-cherished union with the Master. Uh-huh. I suppose. Will 40 knots be wise? Uh-huh. I would say it would be. So he asked the question, and I'm answering it, because nobody bothered to answer his question. So at least I'm doing it. For goodness sakes. Why doesn't anybody answer him? It's about time he was answered in this podcast. Bulashah's language is central Punjabi, but whom, when he is emotionally charged, he waxes eloquent into Lendi, the southeastern dialect. There are traces of other Punjabi dialects also in his poetry, which could perhaps be attributed to interpolations. And the fact that his work has trouble from mouth to mouth while singing in chorus, the Kowals are known to devote. Deviate from the original text, Bulashah employs classical terms and phrases, whether from the Persian or the Sanskrit, according to the philosophic content of his verse. Yeah, and I employ um, deviations from even English. And uh, in my dialect, I mispronounce all the Asian uh, Indian words and I and I incorporate Spanish in the podcast and and uh, so his language is replete with eternal truths with char and common use in the Punjab in everyday life <coughs> <coughs> 
As a poet, some of his expressions remain unsurpassed. Uh, yeah. So no, no matter what it language is or how it's pronounced, it's still unsurpassed. Uh, he's, the sun has set, its flush only is left. A peacock calls in the grove of passion. Mohammed Balk. Baksh, a great bard of his time, writing in 1864, that's B-A-K-S-H, was perhaps the first to recognize Bua Shah's talent. Says he, listening to Bua's coffees rids one of blasphemy. He indeed has swum God's ocean of eternity. A question that nags the reader of Bulashah's work is that if Sarmad and the other Sikhi saints who talked the way Bula talked could not escape the ire of the fundamentalist and were done to death, how is it that Bula could escape this fate? Yeah. More, when he spoke so enduringly about the Sikhs who were at loggerheads with the rulers of the day, there appeared to be two reasons for it. Firstly, when Bua Shah was at the peak of his glory, Muslim rule was on the decline. The administration was much too preoccupied with law and order to take notice of such social aberrations. Secondly, unlike Hinduism, Sikhism is close to Islam conceptually, though it is near Hinduism socially. Huh. Let me see. Interesting. Secondly, unlike Hinduism, Sikhism is close to Islam conceptually, though it is near is Hinduism socially. Okay. So conceptually, that's sort of like one God kind of thing or something, and then socially it's more Hindu. Huh. Well, that seems nice, actually. I think I would prefer it that way. All right, well, you could shop around. If you're a universalist, you could shop around for religions and switch one every day. Okay. Yeah, I can switch one day to day from my religions. One <laughs> Recently, I was Zoastrian, actually. I like Zoastr's hymns, actually. Uh-huh. What did he have? He had uh, he had some good stuff. He was into mindfulness. <laughs> he believed in the mindful God Lord. Guru Nanak, who believed there is no Hindu, there is no Muslim, was still venerated in the Punjab as Baba Nanak Sheikh Fakir. Hindu ka Guru, Musliman ka Pur. Guru Nanak, the great man of God, he is the guru of the Hindu and the peer of the Muslim. Even Guru Bobin Singh, the reigning sect guru, had a large number of followers among the Muslims, like Pur Buddha, Budu Shah, Nihang Khan, Kani Khan, Nabi Khan, and others. Writing in his book, Sufis, Mystics, and Yogis of India. Banki Bihari says, It was a period when Mo Mughal supremacy was fading out and the Sikhs were gaining supremacy. 
Yeah, it was. This is a period when uh, Soviet supremacy was fading out, and the Ukrainians were gaining supremacy. He Busha met Sri Guru Gobind Singhji and others and heard to his great pain of the atrocious deeds of the Muslims in decapitating the heads of Sufi Hindu saints. It was a time when a few decades earlier Sarmad had been beheaded by Alamgar for his pantheistic leanings. Yeah. Yeah, I have pantheistic leanings so too, so. Yeah, are you a pantheist? <laughs> yeah, I'm leaning towards pantheism, so. I'm leaning towards getting myself beheaded uh, in this podcast. So, people will symbolically chop off my head. <laughs> For what I said about Ukraine and stuff. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Bulisha is classed with Kabir and is said to belong to the Sant tradition of the Sufis. Yeah, how do you... You could be in the Sant tradition of the Sufis. And, and me, myself, I'm classed along with Bulisha. Yes. I belong to the Sant tradition of the Sufis. The Punjabs witnessed the emergence of the two main cults of the Sufis, the Quranic Sufis and the Neoplatonist Sufis. Amongst the Quranic Sufis in the Pujab are listed. Fard uh-huh. Fakir and Gulam Rasul. Those listed as Neoplatonic Sufis are Hafiz, Barkur, Herdar, Ali Haider, Amidyar, Mukab, Warisha. Unlike all these, Baba Farid and Shan Hussein and Bulisha are closer to the saint tradition of the Bhakti movement. They seek union with the divine on the lines of the Nirguna Bhaktis. That's the Nirguna means uh, it's not a formless uh, God, not a, like it's not like a statue. Says Bulisha, I have wiped off the Kama and found my Lord within me. The whole world is deceived. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm I've found the Lord within me as well. So, and the whole world is deceived if they didn't find him. Okay. Bulashah's mysticism is the assertion of the soul against the formality of religion. He came to believe that it is possible to establish a direct link with God. Yeah, so you could actually go direct. Uh, That's where you don't need the clergy. (laughs) Really? You don't have to go to the mosque or the church? No. It is possible to establish a direct link with God. His is the eternal yearning of the human soul to have direct experience of divine reality. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? I'm going to finish Amar and go to the parky. Parky, you can... 
Sufism was no doubt Quranic to start with, but the Suryat has re relevance as long as dualism persists. The moment duality disappears, one is liberated from all bonds. This is exactly what seems to have happened with Bulasha. He qualified himself to Turquot. He became liberated. He became a part of the divinity. He sees himself and everything around him. Yeah, I see myself and everything around me in the same way. <laughs> Is that why you're reading him? Huh? Before the Sufi cult arrived in India, it had crossed many a bridge. The sun tradition of the Bhakti movement was yet another influence which it imbibed and gave birth to a distinct variety of Sufism which is rooted in the Punjabi soil. It was a happy mixture of sabar and taqwa, taqwa, san talk and riyazat and takawal and toba and raza and prem. Bulashah played a prominent role in it according to Wanti Ramakrishna writing in the Punjabi Sufi poets. He is one of the greatest Sufis of the world, and his thought equals that of Jalal Adun Rumi and Shams Tabriz of Pope Persia. Wow. That's a big statement. He is one of the greatest Sufis of the world, and his thought equals that of Rumi and Tabriz and Shams. Wow, 1995, New Delhi, K.S. Dougal. End of preface. Wow. What a climatic, traumatic end ending. <laughs> He's the greatest. Davy is the greatest, Amar. Davy, muy great. He sees himself in everything around him. Hmm. Yeah, I played a prominent role in, in this, too. I'm a prominent role in this podcast. I know not who I am, so... Well, what are you going to do about that? Well, I could read poetry, I guess, so... Maybe find somebody who does know who they are. I could find myself in mystical poetry. Okay, then do it, why don't you read some of the poetry? Yeah, that's a good idea, I guess, if you need to find yourself. But I thought you would have found yourself and that to, to only a person who has found themselves would be uh, smart enough to even read this stuff, okay? Yeah. Well, you have to... You have to find yourself well, to understand mystical poetry, what it's only for the already enlightened person. Like they can't, other people they don't understand it. It makes no sense. <laughs> what? <sighs> you sleepy? Because por qué no sleepy? Why no, they no? Por qué? Olga pensar. You pensar? Olga, Olga pensar como en la boda, no. What's there to pensar about the Bodo? You pensar Bodo? Sí, dos meses, dos meses. Dos meses, oh. She thought of the marriage? Yes, maybe. Olga pensar. Oh, I was thinking, yeah. Sometimes if you think, you can't. 
thinking a lot. You can't sleep or meditate. Oh, yeah. Do you think during meditation? No. You can think when you're not meditating. <laughs> is it bueno when you think of Pensa Bados? Is it bueno? Yeah. Olga muy feliz. The dos meses. Two months, only two months. Solo two months. <laughs> Solo dos meses. We go to the fin de semana. We go go um, the weekend. The fin de semana. We vamos. Vamos. Uh, do something with the wet, with the clima. Tomorrow. Are you gonna see Top Gun? Tomorrow. Top Gun. Película. You will care película. Good as Spanish, it comes in Spanish. Palacua? Pero donde, donde? At the theater, theater, in Astoria. In Astoria? Top Gun. <laughs> or maybe it would be like what Lauda would like it, or a Braun or somebody. The movies? Palacua? I don't know. Who would like Palacua? What's it have to do with this poetry? I know not who I am. Uh, some people like. To find themselves, they go to the to the movies. Oh, okay. Yeah, if you don't know who you are, just ignore the fact that you don't know anything and go to the movies. Okay. Or watch TV. Yeah, if you're not enlightened, just remain unenlightened and watch TV. Okay. What? <laughs> or you could date <laughs> And read mystical poetry, which might be a better course of action. Well, yeah, you should. Uh... Are you going to read the, the actual poems of Buddha Shah, or are you just going to talk nonsense? Okay. Poem number one, page 31. I know not who I am. I am neither a believer going to the mosque, nor given to non-believing ways. Neither clean nor unclean. Yeah, I'm neither clean nor unclean. So I'm halfway clean. So I'm half clean. Neither Moses nor Pharaoh. Yeah, I'm not either Moses or Pharaoh. I know not who I am. Yeah, but I thought you were Pharaoh at one point. That woman had seen a vision of you as Pharaoh. Yeah, I was Pharaoh, and I happen actually know who I am. I know who I have been. <laughs> Do you know all your past lives? <laughs> <laughs> Did you think of uh, Bados? Pensy Bados? Yeah, today we do papers, papers, and we do copies, and we'll go to get, you know, we, we, take, we do well from work, business, and work. We have dentist, uh, Davy Dennis, Olga, radiology, citas, uh, dos citas, plus we go to mientras, library, biblio. Oh, you make lunch? Okay, you can make lunch. 
how could you, if you were Pharaoh, why don't you have like 100 wives or 1,000 or 2,000? Oh, you had 2,000? Oh. Yeah, I only have one. Neither, I was neither Moses nor Pharaoh. But you know, I know who I am. I know. Well, I would say maybe you don't know who you are. So, I know not who I am. I am neither among sinners nor among saints. Yeah, I suppose that I'm not a saint. So, I'm, I've been among saints. You've been, not been among that many saints, I don't think. You've been among us. You've met very infrequently a saint. Okay. All right, well, I guess it's true that I am neither among sinners nor among saints. Yeah, and I don't hang out that much with sinners either, so. So you're just averaging in, in the middle of the road, yeah. Well, I don't hang out with, uh, I'm not much into crime, and I don't, don't hang out in the bar drinking alcohol, and I don't use drugs, and I'm not eating meat and hanging out in the steakhouse. <laughs> I am neither among sinners nor among saints, and I'm not uh, in a very strict uh, monastery in Tibet with just saints either. I'm neither happy nor unhappy, and I'm not really unhappy, and I... I'm actually pretty happy. I'm happy, pretty happy. Well, I thought you would be absolutely perfectly happy. Yeah, well, hmm. Uh, well, one should be happy with if one is meditating and has all the basic things one needs, like uh, my wife is going to make lunch. Uh, yeah. And I, I have a pretty good dentist who's going to fix my tooth. Uh, I'm neither happy nor unhappy. Yeah, but... Uh, so most of the time I'm happy and I am not haven't been attacked in Ukraine. No, I'm not in Ukraine, so... I'm neither happy nor unhappy. I belong neither to water nor to earth. I am neither fire nor air. I know not who I am. So you just don't know who you are, really. So is that why you do meditation? Because you're actually a soul which is caught in the body. And you're trying to figure out who you are. Huh? Uh, neither do I know the secret of religion. I thought you did know the secret of religion. Huh. How come you don't know it? You don't know anything? Why am I listening to you in this podcast? Neither do I know the secret of religion, nor am I born of Adam and Eve. I have given myself no name. I belong neither to those who squat and pray, nor to those who have gone astray. I know not who I am. Huh. I was in the beginning, 
I'd be there in the end. I know not anyone other than the one who could be wiser than Bulasha, whose master is ever there to tend. I know not who I am. Okay, so I do know I was in the beginning and I, I had mystical experience where I uh, found myself coming into existence at the Big Bang. Wow. So you were there in the beginning, yeah. And I don't know who I am, but I met a wise person, a saint, and Darshan Singh, whose master is ever there to tend. So I actually know of a, a master. So I know him, but I don't know who I am. I was in the beginning. I'd be there in the end. I know not anyone other than the one who could be wiser than Bula Shah. Yeah, and who could really be wiser than me in this podcast? So, the fact that I don't know who I am shows that I am the wisest. Oh, okay. So... In reality, you are wise when you don't say you don't know anything. That's that's sort of like Socrates. So you must be wise. Yeah. Whose master is ever there? And I know not who I am. So my master is there. So that makes me into Socrates. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Except for it took you ten minutes to read one poem. That's not very impressive, no. So why doesn't he come and take care of me? Yeah, this guru of yours, yeah. Poem two says, come, my love, take care of me. Yeah, I am in great agony. Yeah, you ever separated. My dreams are dreary. Yeah, I've had dreary dreams at times. They're boring. Yeah, I don't often have the dreams I wake up from because they get so boring. <laughs> or they're stressful. My dreams are dreary. Looking for you. My ear eyes are weary. All alone. I am robbed in the desert. Waylaid by a bunch of waylard, way, waywards. <laughs> The mullah and Kazi show me the way. Their maze of dharma that is in sway. They are the confirmed thieves of time. They spread their net of saintly crime. Whoa. Yeah, they've st stolen my time. The, the um, orthodox religious groups have wasted my time. Uh, and I'm tired of getting stolen stolen from me. I could have been in deep, profound meditation instead of listening to the preacher and the Kazi. The Kazi and Mula show me the way. They're maze of Dharma that is in sway. They are the confirmed thieves of time. They spread their net of saintly crime. Yeah, they, they teach uh, people that uh, if they just believe, read the Bible, they'll be saved. And then they charge them and take their money. It's a, it's a, it's a crime. 
Yeah, they shouldn't have um, paid for re religious preachers. They take their money. Is a crime. Uh, well, they could pay me to show up, uh, I guess, but... Uh, hmm. Their time-worn norms are seldom right. With these they chain my feet so tight. My love cares not for caste or creed. To the ritual faith I pay no heed. Yeah, I'm not into ritual faith. Well, I thought you were an all-subsets universalist religion, so you did pay, pay heed to all the different religions equally. Yeah, that's why I've seen you reading from Zoroastrianism and Jewish stuff, and you read Islamic stuff and Christian stuff. I thought you were going to read Matthew 6 and 7. <laughs> yeah, 6 and 7 were actually good. <laughs> so why don't you read it? Then I will. Okay. My master lives on yonder bank. While I am caught in the gale of greed. Yeah, I've been... I've been caught up in the stock market, and uh, I was short-selling, and uh, it was a pain in the butt because I, I sold the uncovered call options. And, uncovered? What, are you crazy? And, the, and the, the stock market went up. Oh, no. Which, of course, the next day it goes down, so... Yeah, I was caught up in the gale of greed with his boat at anchor. I He stands in wait. I must hasten. I can't be late. Bulisha must find his love. He needn't have the least fright. His love is around, yet he looks for him, misled in the broad daylight. Yeah, I, I misled when it's broad daylight because I wander around from tennis court to tennis court when I'm supposed to be watching the broadcast at 11 and meditating. Okay, so Bula must find his love. He needn't have the least fright. His love is all around. Yeah, and I have my Amora right here. <laughs> Yet he looks for him misled in the broad daylight. So, yeah, I only look in at nighttime when I am misled in the daytime. Uh, oh, you're misled by your materialistic desires and all that junk during the daylight with you looking for a tennis game and you should be doing meditation in the daytime. Oh, God. Bulisha must find his love. He needn't have the least fright. His love is all around. Yet he looks for him misled in the broad daylight. Come, my love, take care of me. I am in great agony. Well, you should put yourself into agony so you won't waste your time. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm trying to just wise up a little bit in this poetry. Okay. Oh, did that make you smarter? I suppose it did. If I don't waste time. Hmm. Huh.
and he's focused on his guru, so that's a good sign. Okay.